Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425. You should be following me around social media as all this uh, Trump indictment stuff happens. I can keep you better updated there uh, when I'm off air. If you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K to 33777. Uh, you can follow along on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and the like. Uh, the the former president, President Trump, is going to be arraigned tomorrow at One Hogan Place. That's where the courthouse is uh, That uh, for the arraignment. Let me get into the details of, of what's actually happening. As you are aware, President Trump was indicted last week on 30-some-odd charges by the uh court in New York state. It's a criminal indictment in the county of New York in Manhattan by the local district attorney, Alvin Bragg. It's the first time in American history a former president has been indicted. Now, uh, there are a lot of people out saying, you, you just don't know, you don't know, how can you speculate what the actual case is? We don't know what all the 30-some-odd counts are, but based on interviews from people inside the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, based on Michael Cohen, who can't help himself, Donald Trump's former lawyer, uh, based on lots of other uh, interviews with people, Everyone, including the New York Times, the New York Post, the New York Daily News, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, and the like, they're all pretty convinced it's about his paying uh, Stormy Daniels to shut up, uh, the porn star he had an affair with, uh, and he paid through Michael Cohen. Now, this is important for those of you crying about me saying that. I have no intention of saying the word alleged. Because you all know what happened, unless you're completely inside the cult of personality, you're unwilling to admit it. We've got the uh, train of records from his CFO. We've got Michael Cohen pleading guilty. We got story. The only person still denying this is Donald Trump. And given the amount of money he would have to pay to Melania Trump if he admitted it, you could understand why he's he's uh, denying it. But there's no reason for sane people with some level of smarts to deny it. Had he kept his pants on, none of this would have happened. Doesn't mean it's right what Alvin Bragg is doing, but still, you can concede that he kept his pants on, we wouldn't be here. Had Alvin Bragg had any more impulse control than Donald Trump, we wouldn't be here, and that's the problem with this case. Based on what we know from the leaks within the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, we know this is about his payment to Stormy Daniels being tied to a federal campaign finance violation, and this has never been done in the history of the country. And even the New York Times and the Washington Post editorial boards, not exactly conservative outlets, are bemoaning the fact that this is a very weak case for which to try a former president, based on what we know. No, we don't know all 30 counts. We will find those out tomorrow. The indictment last week was made, and it will be revealed at an arraignment tomorrow where Donald Trump will plead not guilty to all of the charges. At best, it appears if he were found guilty, he would probably pay a fine, no jail time, in this felony. The whole thing is farcical. It it genuinely If you're on the left and you say, well, no one's above the law, you have to consider, is it worth 
tearing the country apart over a uh, more than a, a decade old affair where the president's crime is essentially to pay a woman, uh, and he can argue it was extortion or blackmail, and that's the reason he had to shut her up. If that's what you really want to tear the country over, your sense of justice is so strong that you have to get Donald Trump over this when there are actually serious charges pending against him federally and in Georgia, more serious things. This is what you want to get him on. Uh, you You are far removed from even the New York Times and the Washington Post that have all wanted the man to go to jail for something, but they're like, uh, not this. This is fundamentally insane that we would try to throw a president in prison over this, try to try to charge him criminally with something like this. Alvin Bragg, this is a bridge too far uh, for your left-wing supporters in the press. And yet here we are. So here's what we suspect is going to happen tomorrow. Donald Trump will leave either tonight or in the morning and fly to New York City. He likes to land at LaGuardia. We presume he will land at LaGuardia. LaGuardia is the closest commercial aviation airport to downtown uh, Manhattan. So he will land there probably tonight uh, and then probably head to um, Trump Tower where he has his, his place. Then tomorrow he will go to uh, the courthouse. We don't know when. Sometime in the morning, probably before this show starts, he will head to the courthouse. Uh, There will be his arraignment where he will be presented with the charges against him. He will plead not guilty to them. There will be no cameras in the courthouse. There will be no cameras. It'll be extremely boring. Um, I'm trying to figure out the nuances of how do I cover it here. I will probably cover this copiously tomorrow. Uh, on air throughout the entire three hours, particularly we can presume it'll be sometime after one o'clock when, when the formal arraignment happens. Uh, we don't actually have time of a of a time certain for when it'll happen, but it'll probably be after one o'clock based on what we know in, in the flow of things in the, the courtrooms in New York. Uh, he will then leave tomorrow and he will fly back to um, to Mar-a-Lago. We don't presume based on what we've already heard from the Trump team and the Alvin Bragg team, no one's going to try to throw him in jail tomorrow. There will not be an attempt to incarcerate the former president, uh, particularly given the Secret Service and all that. That's not going to happen. They will allow him to leave. Possibly he has to surrender his passport, but he'll be able to make his way back to Mar-a-Lago where he intends to have a campaign rally tomorrow night. Uh, I, I got to, just as an aside here, I'm kind of surprised Donald Trump did not decide to do a rally this weekend. Axios shows that his polling has skyrocketed. Uh, his polling, let me let me pull up this report for you. Um, the, the polling suggests uh, by Yahoo News YouGov that he now holds a 26-point lead over Ron DeSantis, 57-31 in the GOP primary, up eight points from two weeks ago. The question, however, is, is that real? Is that real? How much of it is Republicans deciding to stand by their man against an indictment versus Republicans saying, yeah, we want him to be the nominee? My suspicion is, is it's the Republican stand-by-your-man approach. You've got Jeb Bush out there. Here's the thing. Progressives, please understand this. 
You can denounce me for saying that this is not the case on which to get Donald Trump and divide the country. You can have your high-minded sense of justice uh, when you ignore people like Hunter Biden, but we got to stick it to Donald Trump. You can do all of that. Jeb Bush, not exactly a fan of Donald Trump, nor Donald Trump of him. Jeb Bush is out saying, this is a bridge too far. You should not go down this road with this sort of prosecution over this situation. Jeb Bush, loved by the left for being hated by Donald Trump, loved by the left for openly, regularly criticizing Donald Trump, is out saying, this is nuts. You shouldn't do this. And now the left is denouncing him. They don't really care, and you can't be logical with them. It's all about emotion. They want to get Donald Trump. They don't care. When you have a guy like Jeb Bush come out and say, this isn't smart, now they're after Jeb Bush for saying that. An ABC News Ipsos poll conducted after the indictment but before the charges have been unsealed found 47% of Americans view the prosecution as politically motivated. Only 32% don't. 20% aren't sure. They're going to tremendously help Donald Trump. They're certainly going to help his fundraising. But walk back to my prior point. It is kind of odd, isn't it, that he didn't do anything this weekend? I mean, that 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 suggests to me a less certainty than what is being conveyed publicly. That suggests to me that uh, Donald Trump's campaign has some level of reservation about what the charges actually are and how to proceed with them. Uh, when you're Donald Trump, you know it's premised on the Stormy Daniels situation, and you're they're trying to tie it to a federal campaign finance violation, and you're not rushing out over the weekend barnstorming the nation, uh, doing a malicious witch hunt persecution pre-indictment or pre-arraignment campaign event. That suggests you're, you're not necessarily sure how to uh, how, how to navigate this yourself. That suggests a level of uncertainty within in the Trump team. Also, I do suspect um, they are worried uh, if Trump gets up there and freelances his speech, doesn't use a teleprompter, he could say something to get him in further trouble. The Daily Mail says that the judge is going to put him under a gag order. They, they say they've got an exclusive here. I don't know that that's true. The, how would the Daily Mail know what the judge has done? I mean, it's got to be asked for and it's got to be granted. Uh, the idea that the judge is already making up his mind, maybe he has, but I assure you he hasn't told the Daily Mail. Some of the stuff you're going to read, some of the stuff being rushed out there right now, I guarantee you isn't accurate. Maybe the judge will. My suspicion is what the Daily Mail is doing is they presume it is logical that the judge will put Donald Trump in a gag order. So they've rushed it out saying sources say when there really aren't any sources, they're just making an educated guess so they can look right if a gag order actually comes. This is going to be a wild and crazy 48 hours. Keep your sense and wits about you. There do not appear to be any mass protests being planned. Uh, I'm not sure why there should be any protests, but uh, some people are thinking they're going to try to 
launch some sort of effort in New York or the Proud Boys or something to protest this. I don't think that's going to happen. If there are protests, they'll probably be larger on the on the Gideon side than on the he's innocent side. Uh, the left is scratching its itch. The problem for the left is this kind of opens the door for the future for prosecutions of Democrats. If I were Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, I would be pretty worried right now, frankly. In fact, don't believe me. Here's Bill Barr on the Sunday shows. The real danger of this thing over the long term isn't so much narrowed to Trump. It's that now we have thousands of DAs around the country. Now that the Rubicon has been crossed, uh, any one of them can sort of find federal candidates or, or someone in, or federal office holders and so forth can find some state law they want to pursue the person on and get themselves into the national political arena. Yeah. I mean, that honestly, that that's a real big problem, a real big problem. And it absolutely helps Trump's political play. This is Michael Isikoff from Newsweek. I mean, he's playing this uh, to his political benefit to the max. I mean, we just had a new poll out today that shows he's jumped way ahead of uh, Ron DeSantis for the Republican primary uh, uh, contest at the moment as a result of these charges. Um, look, the standard for, uh, it, as I understand it, in New York City criminal courts, when it's, it's a white-collar defendant indicted on felony charges, they brought in, they, they're surrendered, they're briefly uh, uh, put in jail, um, handcuffed, mugshot taken, fingerprinted, and then uh, taken up by elevator to a higher floor where the courtroom is, and then walked usually in cuffs to uh, inside the courtroom. That is the perp walk. Yeah, that's the perp walk. And to the best of everyone's knowledge, they're not going to do that to him tomorrow because he'd be able to cash in and make a pretty penny off of that. I mean, just go back to my point I made on Friday. The Donald Trump mugshot, if he autographs them, he can sell them on his campaign website. They're not copyrighted. They're They're public. You can sell those things and make a pretty penny. Donald Trump, I suspect, would be smart to do that. It's a massive fundraising operation for his campaign for 2024. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. You know, this New York case is not the only case against Donald Trump. Uh, They've also got a potential Georgia case and a federal case, possibly. Uh, Let's go to the phones here. Joan, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I was just wondering, why is the Georgia case still going through when the um, uh, the grand jury person was blabbing all over the media? It just doesn't make sense. And I didn't ever hear uh, that a judge approved to go forward, or if you could just clear that up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- thank you for that. So he- here's the state of play on the Georgia case. The Based on the statements of the um, chair of the grand jury or whatever, the, the, the forewoman of the grand jury, the, the nutty girl who went all over TV, um, the Trump team has filed a motion to dismiss everything that came from it, uh, and they've still got to have a hearing on that before a regular grand jury can proceed. My guess is that the judge will throw that out. Uh, and allow the, because one person doesn't shape the entire views of the grand jury. So the special grand jury in Georgia is not allowed to indict. Uh, They recommended indictments. We don't know what all for. Sent that to the DA so that the DA could then go to a regular grand jury and formally get those indictments. 
we got to go through the motions first with uh, the Trump motion to throw it all out before a grand jury can consider it. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Now, there is a rumor afoot. I will tell you this. I heard from a, a lawyer involved in the matter. There is a rumor afoot that the federal prosecutor, uh, Jack, what's his name? Is it Jack Smith, uh, who's looking at the Mar-a-Lago stuff? Uh, let it be known that uh, an indictment is forthcoming there, and it might be good for the taxpayers of Fulton County, which would be Atlanta, Georgia, to save their money and let him handle Trump. Uh, that's just a rumor circulated among some of the lawyers on the Trump side of things. I don't know whether that's uh, definitive or not, but it does make a lot of sense. Uh, even in New York, a prosecuting the former president of the United States is going to be an extremely expensive affair with expert witnesses and things like that that New York will have to call and cover. In Atlanta, Georgia, even more so. And northern Fulton County, Atlanta is Fulton County, northern Fulton County, Alpharetta area there, that's very Republican. I don't know that they're going to want their taxes increased to cover the costs of the persecution or prosecution of Donald Trump by the Fulton County uh, District Attorney. It becomes a very contentious affair, uh, paying expert witnesses, paying travel fees, all those sorts of things plus security and all of that, it, it's in a very expensive endeavor. And you're not going to see Republicans in the Georgia legislature advance funds to help cover those costs. So it's going to be on the taxpayers of Fulton County, which they probably will have to actually think about. There are political ramifications and budgetary ramifications when you prosecute a former president. Hi there, it's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let me see if I can... Pull some of this coverage up for you real quick. Um, should have done this while it was a commercial break, but I was distracted. And we'll see if it's up. Oh, nope, there it is. There it is. Let me reroute the sound here just so you get an idea for the spectacle. From Palm Beach International Airport to New York City. The arraignment is set for 2.15 p.m. tomorrow. Look, that's uh, he'll go Fox. into criminal court to face these Here's charges. Here's News Nation. The former president, as he has been, is trying to seize this moment uh, to Here's rally his supporters. Uh, which is, <laughs> we've never really seen this before, which is a former president of the United States on his way to surrender um, to a court. Here's MSNBC. Uh, we stay at quite a distance to see if that is he going up the steps, the back of the plane. Here's Fox Business. Now, that could impact the market. Um, uncertainty about potential leadership battles in this country that will materialize. Here's Newsmax. Which we've seen have a devastating effect on our country. Now we see the line of suburbans in the motorcade just up in front of the line. We've got kind of a long lens shot here. You can see Here's some ABC. Activity. Gotta wait to see what Trump is expected to say Tuesday night. So the current expectation, the current TikTok of this. I mean, <laughs> this is like, all we need is a white Bronco. <laughs> It would have been hilarious. Would it not have been hilarious if Donald Trump, that instead of black SUVs, was in a white Bronco? <laughs> I mean, just thinking about a moment. The, so the national risk score, every news outlet covered live President Trump's motorcade going from Mar-a-Lago to Palm Beach International Airport, which is a, a little bit of a drive, actually, if, you, if you've ever been down there, and getting in to the, the, the private shuttle area there uh, near the signature uh, terminal where he goes in, goes around, the cars pull up. Would it not have been hilarious if he decided to drive in a white Bronco? That would have been just like the greatest, greatest troll of everybody. <laughs>
You know, OJ was found not guilty. He was. <laughs> it actually would have been very funny instead of black SUVs if it was a white Bronco. Okay. All right. I, I, I want to move on to some of the other stuff here because there are political ramifications in all of this as well. There have been a series of stories in the last week about fundraisers and donors starting to go wobbly on Ron DeSantis. Uh, A common theme about what's happening with DeSantis is that, well, he hasn't chosen to run yet. He hasn't announced he's running yet. Do you know there's a reason why Ron DeSantis hasn't announced yet? There are two reasons one of which will come to bear fruit tomorrow, not Donald Trump's indictment. Everybody's going to be focused on Donald Trump's indictment, where you should be focused, if you're a student of American presidential politics, you should be focused on a committee room in the Florida legislature tomorrow. It's where the elections committee meets. Under Florida law, If DeSantis wants to run for another office while elected governor, he has to resign. And tomorrow, the Elections Committee of the Florida Legislature is going to consider changing the law so that a person can run for a federal race without resigning a statewide office. Hmm, wonder why they would do that, putting all the pieces together for his run. Uh, Were he to announce right now, he would have to resign. The Florida legislature is going on. So that's number one is changing Florida law. Number two is the Florida legislature. He does not want to resign or announce he's running for president while the Florida legislature is in session because he has things he wants to get done. In the meantime, DeSantis has something like $80 million in a campaign war chest, and he can allocate that. $82 million as of last month, according to the New York Times, he can designate a super PAC to send that money to. He has not done that yet, and he will not until he announces he's running for president. But there is a super PAC that has been created. It's actually run by my friend, Ken Cuccinelli. It's actually headquartered not far from me, very near the uh, teepee where the Braves play. Uh, And it's called Never Back Down PAC. It is a super PAC that does not have DeSantis's blessing. Now, here's what you need to know about the super PACs. A super PAC and a campaign cannot coordinate. That means that if Ron DeSantis decides he wants to run for president, there is a super PAC out there that says it wants to get Ron DeSantis elected. Ron DeSantis cannot talk to the super PAC, and the super PAC cannot talk to Ron DeSantis. There can be no coordination. Interestingly enough, this super PAC has brought on uh, my friend Chris Wilson from WPA Intelligence, uh, probably the best Republican pollster out there. And Chris Wilson ran Glenn Youngkin's polling. Also, the super PAC has brought on Jeff Rowe. Jeff Rowe was uh, Glenn Youngkin's uh, campaign strategist. So you have... A Glenn Youngkin campaign strategist and Glenn Youngkin's pollster both going to Never Back Down Pack, which suggests Glenn Youngkin is not running for president of the United States because I don't think either of these guys would bail on Youngkin for DeSantis if Youngkin was going to run, that both of them have, and they've gone to the super PAC, suggests they're taking very seriously DeSantis. And this group has only been around since March 9th, so it has not been around 
for an entire month yet, and it's already raised $30 million. So now you've got that $30 million, and, and here you got to keep in mind, DeSantis has $82 million in a state political committee. DeSantis cannot coordinate with a super PAC. And there are several other super PACs that have set up uh, claiming the mantle of DeSantis. And the reason people are focusing on never back down is because the others look kind of like clown shows. When you have Ken Cuccinelli, Chris Wilson, Jeff Rowe, and others all together in a super PAC, it's a serious one. And what DeSantis can do is say, hey, um, I like this super PAC, never back down, and I'm going to send my $82 million to it. DeSantis can't necessarily convert a state political committee money into a presidential campaign. What he can do, because a super PAC can take unlimited dollars under federal law, he can send all that money there. If he does send even a portion of it there, it's kind of a big sign that this is my designated super PAC. So I I have a little level of knowledge of what the super PAC is doing, and I really like the idea of it which is they're not going to focus per se on a big advertising campaign for Ron DeSantis. Instead, they want to focus on uh, ground game and messaging for DeSantis, which is why you would get Jeff Rowe and Chris Wilson in there and be able to do a door-knocking campaign and try to find voters for DeSantis as opposed to just doing an ad campaign. That's smart because a candidate himself can get a cheaper ad rate than a super PAC can. So those of you in, in uh, my radio affiliates don't expect big ad buys from this Never Back Down pack. Uh, they don't want to do ad buys. They want to actually uh, turn out the vote for DeSantis. But he's not alone. There are others who have announced as well. One of them is Asa Hutchinson, the now former governor of Arkansas, went on ABC News with John Carl this weekend. I hear people talk about the leadership of our country, and I'm convinced that people want leaders that appeal to the best of America and not simply appeal to our worst instincts. And that inspires me when I see everyday Americans just saying, give us good leadership, give us common sense, consistent conservatism, and optimism about our great country. And uh, that inspires me, and I believe I can be that kind of leader for the people of America. Uh, Asa Hutchinson, who? Former governor of Arkansas. What? It's the state just above Louisiana. Sarah Sanders, Mike Huckabee's daughter, is now the governor of Arkansas. Uh, Asa Hutchinson doesn't like Donald Trump, and he doesn't like the Trump direction of the party. And so he went on ABC News with John Carl to announce he's running for president. Uh, God bless him, but that's not a serious announcement. When Nikki Haley announced she was running for president, she went and did a big event in South Carolina in Charleston. When Donald Trump announced he was running for president, he did a massive event at Mar-a-Lago. When Ron DeSantis announces he's running for president, it's going to be a big event in Florida. When Mike Pence announces he's running for president, it'll probably be a huge event in Indiana. Asa Hutchinson going on ABC News on a weekend show with John Carl to announce he's running for president is not a serious presidential announcement. It's 
uh, a play for the press. Larry Hogan has now said he's not running, so Asa Hutchinson, I guess, gets to be the guy who gets free media airtime to come on and bash the GOP, which he's done. He also opposed uh, legislation in Arkansas that would prohibit transgender surgeries for minors. That puts him to the left of the party. He wasn't an advocate of school choice. That puts him to the left of the party. Uh, Sarah Sanders has permitted both of those pieces of legislation and signed them into law. Asa Hutchinson may be a fine, nice man, uh, maybe a great granddad, was a good governor from Arkansas, but he's outside a step with the GOP. The fact that he's announcing on ABC News suggests he knows it, and he's not actually out there to get taken seriously by the voters. He's out there to get taken seriously by the media. More and more Republicans who want to be taken seriously by the voters understand that you don't go on ABC News to announce your presidential campaign. You avoid it like the plague. You go on Fox News. You go on Newsmax. You don't go on ABC or MSNBC or NBC or CNN. That's just the way it is. Ron DeSantis is avoiding like the plague, the major mainstream media outlets, and they're furious with him. They're writing op-eds denouncing him. They're running news stories about how he's going to hurt himself by ignoring them. And yet all he's done is go up in the polling. Asa Hutchinson announcing on ABC News is a sign Hutchinson doesn't actually want to win. He just wants to placate the media and be their guy to attack Donald Trump. And that's not going to get him very far. Now, let's go to the phones. Robert, you're going to be next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you taking my call. I'll make it brief. Um, my understanding is when the government raided Mar-a-Lago, uh, they, they may have denied Trump's Fourth Amendment rights because the search and seizure are so broad. If that is the case, can you speak to what Trump could do? My understanding is the, uh, the warrant hasn't been shared with Trump's lawyers. So what, what would Trump's actions be if that is the case? Yeah, okay. So if that is the case, they would have had to have already uh, filed a motion to suppress. Um, and since they haven't done that already, so there, let, let me back up. So in criminal procedure and even in civil procedure, there are times by which motions must be filed to be considered timely. So, for example, uh, when a judge makes a decision at a local level, let's say uh, the judge in New York uh, tomorrow imposes a gag order on Donald Trump, uh, that's a decision that can be appealed immediately. If in the course of the trial, the judge makes a decision and the Trump lawyers oppose it, they can't appeal that decision until after the trial, and then they build an appellate case and they wait. When it comes to documentary evidence seized, those sorts of um, issues and warrants have to be opposed in the beginning. If they wait until trial to oppose them, they are deemed to have waited too late because those are the motions designed to build the trial. So by al allowing them to build the trial and then saying, oh, wait, they should have never gotten this stuff. The judges will say it wasn't timely. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Why do you suppose they didn't file a motion, given it probably makes sense here? Well, uh, my, my guess is to them that it didn't. Um, if, if they're not going to file a motion to, to suppress or, or get rid of um, the, the warrant, then at the time, I think they must have thought uh, there was no basis for filing it. I, I'm actually kind of personally surprised they didn't just to fight it anyway. Now, they, they certainly filed motions sure. around it. But the actual uh, motions about seizing the documents, they've never contested the documents seized. For those of you who don't know, the Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, homes, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall be issued but upon probable cause, 
supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. They didn't file an objection based on contesting probable cause, which means at this point it's too late for them to do so. And whether you agree or not, the um, time has now passed for them to make those sorts of objections. That's a problem for them moving forward, as it appears the U.S. attorney is getting closer and closer to some sort of indictment. Now, uh, I don't want you to miss out on Advantage Gold's great offer. 800-450-2566 is their number. 800-450-2566. Advantage Gold wants to send you a free gold IRA investment kit that tells you what you need to know about investing gold. So here's what I didn't know. And Advantage Gold can set you right in this. If you want to use precious metals, for example, for an IRA, and you want to keep the precious metals, you have to put them somewhere secure. You can't just commingle them with all your other assets. You can't throw a gold bar in your jewelry case and say, well, it's part of my IRA. No, there are steps you got to take to be able to have it part of your investment portfolio for legality, for the IRS. Advantage Gold can teach you those things, and they do it without gimmicks. They do it without frills. They do it without a hard sell because they know if they just play it straight, you're going to do business with them. 800-450-2566. They can help you if you want to do an IRA, a 401k, your general investments, however you want to do it. 800-450-2566. They can answer your questions, give you the free gold IRA investment kit. They are TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. And they want your business. 800-450-2566 is the number. One more time, 800-450-2566. Don't forget to subscribe to the email. Text data to 33777. So as there's breaking news and I'm off here, I can get it to your inbox. You can see it. Uh, this week, you should know my morning pieces 100% preclude any coverage of news and politics. Um, uh, Joe Biden could resign Ron DeSantis could announce this is a terrible way to sell my email, but this week uh, is Holy Week, and I refuse to write about politics out of the gate in the morning. You'll still get the show notes with everything I'm going to talk about on the show, but morning email focus should be on bigger things for Holy Week, and that's what I intend to do, as always. Now, uh, to the phones. Mike, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Yeah, Eric. Um, are you familiar with the uh, letter from uh, Michael Cohen's attorney to the Federal Election Commission back in yes. 2018. Why yeah. doesn't that hold any weight to Trump's uh, non-involvement with the payment if it's there from an attorney in writing? Because six months later, Michael Cohen confessed to federal authorities he had lied to his attorney, had to write the letter, and it wasn't true. Geez, so we got to believe a perpetual liar in, in the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that. this is actually part of the Alvin Bragg's problem is that Michael Cohen uh, can never tell the same story straight. But, uh, yeah, he had his lawyer write a letter to the FEC saying that he paid Stormy Daniels out of his own funds and Donald Trump never reimbursed him. And then six months later, ple pleaded guilty uh, to an unrelated charge of lying to Congress uh, and then pleaded guilty um, admitting that the letter from his lawyer was not true and he had misled the lawyer in order to mislead federal authorities. So, I mean, that's the nature of the guy. By the way, um, we do now also have the documentary evidence to show that uh, there was a pass-through transaction. We do have the documents to show the Trump, uh, the Trump organization 
paid Michael Cohen the same amount of money he paid Stormy Daniels and paid it to the organization Michael Cohen established and incorporated in order to make the payment to Stormy Daniels. So we we see the money flow through. We see Michael Cohen plead guilty after that letter was sent. So you put all that together and you say, yeah, the letter was a lie. Uh, the question, though, is Michael Cohen is a serial uh Fibber, he changes his stories regularly. No two statements, no two retellings are exactly the same. So how exactly does Alvin Bragg use that guy as a star witness in a case against Donald Trump, neither of whom ever really seemed to keep saying the same thing repeatedly?